drunken Christmas. We wish you a drunken Christmas. And a blackout New Year. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. I am the grumpy, newspaper-reading, furnace-fighting old man Zenobia. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm your feisty, bad, foul-mouthed, Getting into trouble, trying to shoot my eye out with my BB gun, Ralphie, Lenny over here. Wow. <laughs> One-eyed Lenny. One-eyed Lenny. <laughs> wow, I'd be a really good pirate. <laughs> and here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, cocktails. we pair amazing cocktails. Amazing movies. Amazing movies. Yep. And tonight is no different, girl. No, no, not at all. Actually, tonight is a special, a special night tonight. Ooh. It is because we had some technical difficulties getting this episode out. That's why it is kind of late. Yep. So for us, it is the night before the night before Christmas. It's Christmas Eve Eve, everybody. Ah! It's Christmas Eve Eve. Christmas Eve Eve. Eve. <laughs> So we're trying to get this uh, out there for you guys so you can have some fun facts to talk about during uh, Christmas. Yeah, it's such, it's, I'm so <laughs> excited. The impending uh, surprise and celebration of Christmas is near. I feel like a little kid again. It's amazing. There's I, magic in the air. There's magic in the air. And I really think that this year Santa's going to bring me a puppy. That She keeps saying that. <laughs> but I don't know who her Santa is, but he's not going to bring her a puppy <laughs> Listen, Santa baby, just slip I mean, a little I'm puppy sorry. under the tree for me. Yeah, she's been an angel all year. I've been an angel all year. <laughs> yes. Think of all the lovies that I haven't kissed. Ow! Ooh. I'm still keeping that away. I know. It's too creepy and wonderful. I knew you'd love it. Because this cocktail is so delish. I've already had a little bit. A, a little bit of it. I've been a little nipped on the Yuletide cheer over here. She is filling it. All right. Well, today we are doing yes. a Christmas story. The time has come, y'all. Yeah, here it is. It's here. Here it is. And we are drinking because I know you ready to drink. Um, you are. Drinking. I have been already <laughs> a little drinking. <laughs> and tonight we are drinking the eggless, legless eggnog. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so for this eggless, legless eggnog, we're doing this for some people out there who do not like the taste of raw egg in their mouth or mm-hmm. cannot take eggs because their body just will not allow them to do so hey there out there we're all together we're all in this together (laughs) (laughs) so i thought that we would find one that could suit everybody and i think that we really did so what i did is i put i put about two cups of uh, almond milk Mm -hmm. into a blender and i also added a couple dashes of nutmeg and cinnamon and allspice mm, it's so in, in, yeah into the mix 
I put half a teaspoon of almond extract. I put two teaspoons of vanilla. I put a one tablespoon of maple syrup in there. I did too. I did too. I love you. I love you so much. And I did all that and I put it in the blender. I let it go. And then um, I kind of let it chill for a while. Then I put two ounces of bourbon into my glass. Yes, you did. And then I topped it with the eggnog, stirred it up a little bit, sprinkled some nutmeg on top. And that is our eggless, legless eggnog. Ooh, 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 ooh. And it, oh my goodness. Oh my, I put a little cinnamon stick. I even threw a whole cinnamon stick in mine. Ooh, I almost did, but I didn't, because I didn't want to, I don't know. I didn't want it too cinnamony. I wanted it more nutmeggy. I I respect that, and I I feel like that I might be losing a little bit of the nutmeg. I mean, the allspice is there definitely. You can't lose that, but the yeah. cinnamon is very prominent. But I love cinnamon, so I'm totally okay with it. I accidentally put more vanilla than I was supposed to in it because I, <laughs> but it's fine. It it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. So all right. All right. Here we go. Let's Cheers. Try this. Here we go. Cheers. Love you, girl. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I have to say that I like it. Yeah. It, it's not like super thick like other eggnogs tend to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel super bloated in drinking this. So it's pretty good. I like this one, you guys. If you want to have that eggnog feeling but not have that egg, this yeah. is a good substitute. I dig it. I really like it. It's really smooth. I was yeah. nervous about doing like a creamy and bourbon. I, I, I Creamy and rum I do all the time, like painkillers or pina coladas or something like that. But with bourbon and creamy, I'm always just like, ooh, I don't know. Um, at most coffee is what I will do it with, with just like a, t- a dash of creamer. But this is good. I really like mixing bourbon with an almond milk. It, it tastes really good. It's not weird at all. And people who don't like almond milk, I think that this is a good way to try it because it's mixed mm-hmm. in with other a lot of different spices. You don't really taste the almond taste from the milk like as strong as normal. Also, I'm not a milk drinker, period. I don't really like milk. Yeah, you um, don't. So this is this is good. This is a good good one, y'all. Good one. Oh yay. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Yeah. So are you ready for a little bit of her story. story. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of her story about bourbon. So, Ooh. what makes whiskey bourbon? Well, like most whiskey, it can be made for all kind of different grains to make it. But the number one that has to be fifty-one percent to make it bourbon is corn. If it's not 50%, 51% corn, it's not considered bourbon. It'd be wow. considered some other type of like whiskey. And that's where it gets a sweet taste. The corn helps makes it sweet. Oh, yeah. And bourbon must be aged in new charred oak barrels. So these barrels cannot be used by any other company. A lot of different distilleries use like wine barrels for their whiskey or they'll use, you know, rum barrels to help soak up some of that flavor that's left in the wood. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted it to be bourbon, it could be the only spirit that's ever been used in it. Now, I don't know if that means, like, I can't reuse it 
again for another one? Or Probably not. Not if you're trying to get that solid, oaky, charred flavor. Because after one distilled, it's going to probably... Mm-hmm. Because how long does bourbon have to officially distill for, for it, it to be bourbon? Dist- it has to distill for at least two years. Some are up to oh, like 10 see? and... And higher than that. Yeah, I'm I'm drinking that Widow Jane right now, and it's 10 years. It's been barreled and distilled for 10 years. 10 years, you guys. So just imagine, I just made Limoncello and Grand Marnier, and it took me 30 days to make it. And then my dad, like, drinks it like it's water, like it's nothing. And I'm like, it took me 30 days, 30 days to make this. I had to shake this bottle every day. (laughs) And you're just like, "Mm, it's good. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Imagine if it took me two years. I would never let him drink it ever. Oh just like little sips. Just like he only gets up. little half a shot glasses. That's it. Papa be it this bit, this much. Like, come on. That's it. Come on. I don't want to hear anymore. So, yeah. So they got to be in those new oak barrels and mm-hmm. they can't have any additives or coloring added to it or it cannot be considered bourbon so those colors that you see in your bourbon that's from that new charred oak barrel i guess beautiful i love that no artificial flavors or coloring no don't touch it don't touch it so there's some things that bourbon have to meet after you know it's distilled and stuff so when it is distilled and it's going in the alcohol level needs to be at 160 proof slash like 80 percent alcohol okay Okay? so after two years or plus for when it comes out it needs to be at least 125 proof or 62.5 percent alcohol before it can be bottled so these numbers mean that the content of the alcohol has to be at a certain level before you can call it you can't really water it down you can't really add any color you can't really add you can't add anything it's Kind of the best whiskey out of doing all of my research. I feel like this is probably a whiskey that like if we wanted to, we could kind of distill this because it doesn't seem like you don't add nothing to it. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. We should do it. We, we should, should try it one time. We just time. get one barrel. We'll char the shit out of it. Hell yeah. And we get some Torch grain. that shit. Yeah. So I feel like if we ever wanted to be bootleggers, we should figure out how to make some good bourbon. <laughs> Uh, you know it's going to happen. I'm coming out with a trailer. We're, yeah. we're doing this. We're doing this. Okay, so there is a rumor out there that it can only be bourbon if it's from Kentucky. Now, mm. this is not necessarily true, girls. That does not mean anything. I feel like Kentucky has a big hold on bourbon, and there's a lot of great distilleries that are out there. Mm -hmm. And probably because they have a lot of, like, farmland, and they probably, you know, with crops and things like that. But bourbon can be made anywhere. It's not like tequila that can only be made in Mexico or champagne that can only be made in Champagne, France. These things can be made anywhere. They just have to meet these standards to be considered bourbon so kentucky i see why you guys it's your favorite drink i'm drinking Classic. a kentucky but i mean like it don't have to be from there y'all Mm-mm. yep kentucky trying to get trying to get away with it they can't they can't they but can't. you guys are probably the leaders of the shit though for real honestly it's always a solid can't go wrong with kentucky bourbon yep ever and so that is a little bit of history on bourbon Oof. Thank you. I loved it. That was good. Thank you. Cool. Okay. I like that. So are you ready? (gasps) Oh, I'm ready. I am so ready. I'm ready for this. Are you ready for the motherfucking drinking 
game. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, I'm so ready. Ah. All right, so it's time for the motherfucking drinking game, y'all. <laughs> you gonna take one simp when he says official Red Rider. I want an official Red Rider Cup in action to enjoy my small arrow. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> and in this movie, he asked for this BB gun. How many times? 28 times. So get your drink ready for some of that. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be a lot of... That's insane. You know I had to add it. I could not not add it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so get ready for 28 samples. Okay, so... I love the one he's... When, when does he say it the one time and he does the ooh? Oh, when his mom asked, she's like, what do you want for Christmas? And he just <laughs> word vomit. Bleh. And as soon as he said it, he was like, This is after everything. He sets up, like, the ad in her magazine. And, like, he's got it all set up. And the thing and he is, just it out. he dumb because he should have asked his dad for it in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. If I wanted something dangerous or something for athletics... I'm going to ask my dad. He knew she was going to say no. Yeah. She was I'm going to go that. ask him so he can exactly. just get it for me. And I can be like, well, daddy, I didn't ask you. Daddy said I could have it. Daddy said okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You going to take a simp when someone curses or does their little, they do their little gibberish. Or, oh, Fudge. Oh, fudge. But I didn't say fudge. No. He didn't. He said the big one. I said the word. The big one. The queen mother of dirty words. The F dash 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 word. What did you say? He said the big one. The word you don't say. And he no. took his friend Schwartz down with him. I mean, he messed up because he could have got he away did. with it if he just said, when she said, where'd Dad you get did. that from? Uh, Dad sends it to the furnace every motherfucking day. She would have yeah, been mad it. at him and you would have been less in trouble. And your homie wouldn't have got whooped. Like, it sounded like he was getting killed in there. She was like, ah! Screams over the phone. You're just like, oh, what did shit. I do, mom? He's mom, screaming. Oh, poor kid. Poor, poor kid. I know. Although we don't know that if Rafi had snitched on his own father, would his father be inclined to help out Rafi by getting him the official Red Rider BB gun? Shit. That could cause a fluctuation in the trust relationship that they have. Cause, like, little bro, if you're gonna gonna call me out to to my wife. You don't get the BB gun. Yeah. Well, he dad could have kept it to his damn self, and he didn't have to go in the car and tell mama immediately, I got back, and now I got soap in my motherfucking mouth. So You know, fun fact, that's actually made out of wax. The soap is made out of wax? Yeah, that, that little red contraption soap that he puts in his mouth is actually just a big thing of wax. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That's a good one. Little fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. So you gonna take a simp when Randy cries, which happens because he just be crying. He's upset because he, he can't put his fucking arms down. I can't put my arms down. <laughs> when, then, when he falls down, he can't get up. And, you know, 
His brother's cursing and he knows his dad's gonna whoop the shit out of him. He's scared as fuck. What's the matter? What you crying for? Daddy's gonna kill Ralphie. Like he oh cries this whole fucking movie. This whole movie. I love it when he starts crying and the mom has to like undo the scarf that she just put on to be like, what is it? <laughs> I, I can't, can't put my arms down. You'll put your arms down at school. <laughs> and then he starts crying again and she just yeah, wraps his just fucking wraps face it back up. up. Who is unwrapping and wrapping this kid? It takes her 30 minutes to do it before school. Then when he gets to school, how the fuck is he peeing? When exactly. is, he can't even put his hands down. He can't even write. So he's sitting in there like starfishing in the middle of the class because nobody helps him take his fucking clothes off. I bet the teacher assistant did it like once maybe and then was just like, no kid, you're just going to have to live like this all of winter. Dang. <laughs> Poor Randy. Poor Randy. <laughs> okay, so you going to take a sip. Take a sip. When Scott Farkas bullies the boys. Oh, Scott Farkas. And he had yellow eyes. Scott Farkas staring out at us with his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes. So help me, God, yellow eyes. I swear to you, he had yellow eyes. <laughs> if he did, that means that he is like, he needs water he's, or something. Yeah, like he's like really mal- malnourished <laughs> and like needs to add a I lot to see his that. He seems like, you know, he has like, the bumpus is kind of like family that there's a gang of kids and nobody fucking pays attention. It's mm-hmm. a free for all. His clothes have holes in it. That's why he's a bully because he killed a raccoon, skinned it, and put it on his head. Come on, girl. You know he got that when Davy Crockett came out and like everybody else. <laughs> That's what my dad did. He came out and he I got his little that. coonskin cap and he thought he was the fucking shit. Probably be nose. So this is when you know. He gets bullied by the kids. They yeah. Say, uncle. Okay. In our world, you were either a bully, a toady, or one of the nameless rabble of victims. Uncle, uncle. Like, Zach Ward, little cutie. So you going to take a simp when someone says that you'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your <sighs> eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll That's Santa, right? Your You'll shoot your eye out. I know. They're just like taunting him. His mom says it. His teacher says it. Santa says it. Like, nobody wants this kid to get it. Nobody. And it kind of makes me really mad, though, that when he does actually shoot his eye out. Oh, my God. I shot my eye out. Well, just it scrapes him. But he leaves the BB gun out in the snow. I would be just like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, that's your prized possession. This is all you've ever wanted? You just leave it in the snow? Ugh. He was more worried about everyone being right. His glasses. His well, glasses, yeah. yeah. Everyone's right. He broke his glasses. Like, if he's going to do this, he's got to be able to, like, commit. Yeah, he's got to commit, which means I got hit and I dropped my rifle and I left it out there. It's fine. It was yeah. built in the 40s, so it'll last for, like, 75 years. It's not like it was built today and it'll last a year and a half. So, <laughs> um, he's good. That's he's true. fine. He's good. He's fine. It's he's be fine. fine. He's fine. So, yeah, all the eyes shooting. You going to take a sip? Take a sip. You gonna take a simp when Ralphie daydreams. So this is when <gasps> he thinks he's blind. Mm-hmm. It was. It it was. Yes. Yes. So poisoning. 
Yep. And when he has to wait for his teacher, he like gets caught up because he, he, she's reading her his papers. A plus, A plus, A plus. Yep. <laughs> this is him shooting the bad guys out in the backyard. Oh yeah. The bandits with their the X's on their eyes. <laughs> I, love I actually too. love that. That imagery was really cool. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty cute. Good. Instead of it being yeah. like, oh my god, you just shot like six guys in your back. <laughs> let's talk about that. No. Let's just let's not break that down. <laughs> break that down. So yeah, all of his fun fantasy daydreams about what he's gonna do. I like do. that one. I like that. Take a sip. Take a sip. Take a sip. When you see a dog. Aha, the Bumpus Hounds. Da -da 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 -da. Our hillbilly neighbors, the Bumpuses, had at least 785 smelly hound dogs. So this is the Bumpuses oh my God, dogs. All, those, all the hounds. Oh, my God. They come after that old man all, every time. They're like, oh, there's this clunker coming in. Come on, y'all. Let's get by the gate. <laughs> let's try to get in this house, get that turkey. <laughs> I, oh, I, I know. secretly I think that, that the wife is feeding the Bumpuses dogs why they hang out all she, she must like come on why the dogs just like would randomly roll up to that house i don't think so well they're next door they're only next door they're just i know exactly and i think she definitely goes on she's like hi puppies people out there uh, i would I guess don't have fences you know there's places out there that don't have fences yeah for their lines of housing back then for sure that was I don't like know. top priority to fence up your yards i'm in california we fence that shit up like so we know <laughs> <laughs> Plus everybody has a dog. Like it's impossible. We just have little a white fall. picket fences. <laughs> you gonna take a simp when you see them running. So when you see the guys uh running to and from school. And they're running. And Randy's always trailing behind. Poor Randy. No one messes with him. They know no, that he's no. like low hanging fruit and they're like, you know what, girl, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. I just with can't him. with you. Yeah. Plus, he wouldn't even feel anything in that snowsuit. You'd beat the crap out of him. He'd be like, oh, oh. Like, nothing would phase that kid. I mean, that's what, doesn't he play possum? He just lays there. <laughs> and Randy just laid there. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines, actually, of the film. It's Randy laid there like a slug. Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. So you going to take a simp when Ralphie is in class. So this is when the whole class does their little teeth prank on the TV teacher. This is mm -hmm. when uh, the homie gets his tongue stuck and they're all sitting there like, uh, oh, in the classroom. No. Yeah. Shaking their heads yep. like, oh, no. This is when he brings her the fruit basket of all <laughs> the fruit. I thought you'd be tired of the same old thing. She's got pineapples and oranges and shit. <laughs> Like, uh, damn. <laughs> Which okay. I feel like was something hard to come by back then. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, would that be more expensive than a BB gun? I do think that the pineapple, I don't know, but I feel like the pineapple is like exotic. Like, dang, yeah. how'd you guys get a pineapple in the middle of winter? <laughs> Those come from Hawaii. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we know. <laughs> back, back then, they were definitely not just like around. These are the him in the classroom. So you want to take a sip? Okay. You gonna finish your drink when Flick gets his tongue stuck on the pole. So where they leave him, mm -hmm. they they leave him. They double dog dare him to put his tongue on the fucking pole. On the pole. 
He jumped past the double dog and went straight to the triple dog. I triple dog dare you. Went straight to the triple dog. Got that bitch. Oh, what's it so cute though? He's like stuck to. He's like, come back, come back. And what does Ralphie say? He's like, the bell rang. I'm going to be late for class. Like, he's all yeah, mad. But, but the, the bell, bell rang. And he gives you that look like, but I got to go. Like, like, I totally understand if it was like he's sitting there and he wants you to like, you know, go behind the building and smoke a cigarette. And he's like, I can't. The bell rang. But no, bitch, you <laughs> left him out there in winter storm. I know. Didn't tell no adult out. when you came in. You didn't like pass an adult in the hallway and you're like, hey, I think you should go outside because Flick is stuck to a pole. <laughs> but I, the bell rang, <laughs> so I'm about to go to class. Like, but no. Oh they, my God. They just no. acted like nothing happened. <laughs> Poor Flick. Classic. Classic. But, like, we'll just pretend like it doesn't exist and it'll all go away, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what kids do. But Flick, he was a. He was a down dude. He didn't rat him out. No, he was a true friend. He could have ratted him out, but he didn't. He, I mean, he should have listened to reason. I don't know why he wouldn't even just, like, listen to reason. I guess he got, like, screwed by, like, that one person that tried to tell him, like, there's snipes in the, the front yard, and he believed him, then he realized there was no snipe. <laughs> so then when someone tells him anything, they're like, oh, no, if you do that, I'll, your tongue will stick to you. He's like, yeah, just like the snipe, huh? Too funny. So you gonna finish your drink. Oh, shit. During the big fight. So this is when Ralphie has had enough. And then he gets his butt kicked by Ralphie. Mm. And then you realize, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Scott, I'm about to fuck you up. And he freaking frackens, freaking fracking him. You fucking over damn nipple. (laughs) (laughs) Even Randy was like scared. He had to run home and get mama. Oh, I know. That was so cute. He goes, like, gets her, brings her back. He picks up his glasses he, and he's like, Mom! And then he holds his glasses for him. I love it. I personally would have jumped in and helped my brother, but that's just me. Yeah, especially with all that padding, he would have just been like a punching bag for him. He like, I would be like, save yourself! <laughs> I will take the blood of this. <laughs> oh, little Randy. Yeah, I see you. I see you like jumping into a fight for Rashad. Yeah. I see you doing that. Yeah. Don't you don't you start trying to fight my brother. It's on and cracking. Um <laughs> you gonna finish a drink when he gets the BB gun. So when he <gasps> finally gets what finally. he's been asking for for the past hour and a half. <laughs> you gonna finish your he drink. He finally gonna finish your drink. Yeah. He gets it Classic. and immediately goes outside and almost shoots his eye out. And almost shoots his eye out. Who hits against like the a meta- like the metal? It's going to shoot right back at you. True, true. But he is nine and that's a dad's job to set up where you're supposed to set. Like if he gave it to him, he should have set up, you know, on the fence. So it's going through the fence and not through yeah. the metal. Like his dad set him up for failure. He let him go out there untrained. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just saying it's not a real gun. No, but it does. He's super boozy, though. Also, the dad is like super hungover that morning. Remember, he's like sitting on the couch, like shaking his head like, oh, my God. This is true. They're drinking wine in the morning. He's not. I love that. He's drinking (laughs) wine. Little hair of the dog. I like like, you want some. I know. I I like him as a dad, too. He seems like the best man is good. The best kind of 1940s dad you could possibly ask for. Yeah. Um, Exactly. So do you have anything to add to the drinking game? 
It's pretty amazing. I would say, actually, the only time I would want to is when you recognize that the dad is totally just either hung over or partying. Like, remember when he's skipping through the department <laughs> store with the Wizard of Oz people? And he's just, like, hammered. The like, wonderful Wizard of Oz. They are. I'll see you in Oz, folks. <laughs> see you guys in Oz, folks. Yep. I, like, love it. And he's, like, shirts a little unbuttoned. He's having a, like, hell of a time. There's a couple of times when you're just like, oh, that man's just, like, a little buzzed. Or he's <laughs> hung over his shit. And whenever it shows, I think I, you should take a drink. Take a sip. I like that. Take a sip with the old man. I like it. Yes. It is approved, and it's in the drinking. I love when I get one in the drinking game. I feel really accomplished. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. I did it. That's it. Mic drop. I don't even need to do anything else on this podcast today because I made it into the motherfucking drinking game. All right. Sorry. And that's another episode of Life Camera. I got to <laughs> See you guys next week. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that is the motherfucking drinking game. Yes, sir. Motherfucking drinking game. So, are Solid. you ready for those stats? <gasps> Give me those stats, stats, stats. I want those stats, stats, stats. Here's your stats, stats, stats. You're Ooh. getting stats. I'm bringing them here. Here's your stats, stats, stats. Ow! I love it. I've literally been singing Hot 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 since Scrooge. No way, really? Yeah. I, I got love my that. nieces into it. I showed them the video. We sing it. I love it. Feeling hot, hot, hot. So here's your stats, stats, stats. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> a Christmas story drops November 18th, 1983, baby. And, um, Good year. and this budget for this movie. $3.3 million. Oh my which God. in 2020 money would be more yeah. like $8 million, which is still not a lot. Yeah. So it's a, a very, very no amount of money, especially coming from an, yeah. an MGM movie. Um, yeah, exactly. Fun That's fact. surprising. I got a fun fact since yeah. I mentioned that. Uh, they didn't fun have facts. to get licensed to use The Wizard of Oz because it is an MGM movie. But they did not ask for licensing for Mickey Mouse and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves for this movie. So they did have to send it to Disney. And Disney loved the movie so much that they signed off on it. But they filmed oh, it without God. even asking for it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the, what is that, the parade part, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I love that part, too. Like, they think the Wizard of Oz people are, like, chasing Mickey a little bit. And he's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, the evil witch is running through there. That's it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so that was, uh, Disney liked it. And they were like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Use it. Like, they didn't just, like, yell at him. So I think that's. I love that. In the spirit of Christmas. Huh, cool. So this movie made $20 million. So it made yeah. a lot more money than they spent on making this fucking thing. And actually, yeah. So that $20 million translated into like 2020 money would be about $52 million box office. So it made Whoa. money. It made sense. It made way more sense than the studio thought because the studio spent like pretty much zero money on advertisement for this. There weren't really trailers. There weren't billboards. There weren't 
bus bench benches or buses going by with the nothing like that. So nothing this like was kind of wow. like a word of mouth. Also, I feel like, you know, in November around Thanksgiving time, people will go see whatever Christmas movie is there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, of course. I don't know if there's any other what Christmas movie came out around that time, if any, but it did good. Yeah. It did great. But in the eyes of, I think, like, the world, it kind of was like a flop. It wasn't as big, well-known as it is today. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to give you, I'm going to just give you a fun fact since I'm here talking about it. Yeah, give me more fun facts. I'm, like, stoked about this. Okay, so when the movie came out, it made that money, and then it kind of left theaters because it did its run. But it left before Christmas, which kind of sucks. So people complained, saying, like, hey, girl, we need a Christmas movie. It's December. And so <sighs> they put it back into theaters. They also didn't put oh it my in, God. They didn't put it into many theaters. I think it was, like, in 900, maybe. What? Are you serious? Yeah, it wasn't that many theaters. Who wouldn't keep a movie going in theaters that's Christmas-based during Christmas? That's just surprising. I don't know. I don't know. But, um... Huh. So what ended up happening is eventually, so Tom Warner buys TBS in those okay. stations. And Tom Warner also owns the rights to MGM movies. So Get what they did is they could use any movie that was before 1986 for TV and it would be very cheap. So what they would do is they would like sell these movies pretty much to themselves for like pennies and then like that's why we see movies like this and Shawshank Redemption and like all those Back to the Futures on TV on loop on loop on loop is because they were basically just doing their own stuff their own movies for super cheap and making a bunch of money plus that's how they made these into like cult classics or into these nostalgic movies it's because they had a whole plethora of movies and they're like, well, let's just play this. Let's just play this. That's why it's played on, you know, TBS every Christmas for 24 hours. It's because it's super cheap. And that's why this movie became a cult classic. Because if it just stayed to the theaters, we would definitely not be talking about this. We would not have, you know. No way. Yeah, we wouldn't have so many great feelings about this movie. Yeah. But thanks to them, that's, that's pretty much the reason why. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, oh my God. Thanks for making this film, everybody. Thank you. Okay. So, Rotten Tomatoes, though. Critics, 89%, which I think is pretty good for critics. They're not. For critics, that's a really good. Yeah, they're not the best, especially on like sentimental movies like this, that the average person Mm -hmm. is just like, I love it. They're just like, "Mm." so I think that's pretty good. Um, the audience gives it 88%, which I'm a tad oh. surprised. I thought it'd be in the 90s a little bit, but it was not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm super shocked. I'm not going to lie. Like, are you kidding me? That This is a classic. It's got to be in the 90s. It is not. It's 88. Wow. That's that, that's surprising. That is surprising. But the ZZ Fresh is 100%. I Girl, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I love it. <laughs> I feel I have a thing for movies and books that look back at childhood through an eyes of a child, but told through an adult. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. kind of like the Wonder Years and like this and stuff like that, because you still see the innocence and the fogginess in your memory of things. That's why this movie kind of is just like vignettes of the story just kind of sewn together of this season in this time. And it's it's just it's well done. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. You all can relate to something relating to wanting a gift so bad for Christmas and either getting it or not getting it or you remember standing in that long line to fucking see Santa just so you forget what the fuck you were supposed to say like you know like all these things for the most part us modern day Christmas people can relate to absolutely yeah oh I love that you get sentimental about it I mean me too I think it's super cute I don't like Christmas thanks for sharing okay It's not my holiday. I have more so gotten into Christmas as I've gotten older. Believe I would loved it when I was a kid. I kind of got over it for a little bit in my twenties, but like now that I'm getting a little older, I I do love the sense. I will say I've always loved the Christmas lights. Christmas lights for me just do it. I'm not about the presents. I don't care about the presents, but the lights, everything glowing and gleaming and glittering and sparkling. Ugh, it's my favorite. So okay. Sorry, I got a little distracted. The little Lenny Zest, I would have to say, like a 95% for me. It's a, it's a good one. It's, I, I, I'm not going to go full 100, but it's a, it's a solid film. I do, I love the simplicity of the story. It's, it's just, it, it hits close to home. It's just constantly, it resonates. It really does resonate, and it really reflects back on the childhood within and what it was like to just want that toy and be that toy. It was the most important thing in the world to you. I totally get it. Right? And, like, nowadays, people are like, what do you want for Christmas? And you're like, I don't know. A gift card. <laughs> you know, like, just something super chill. You're like, I don't yeah. know. I could use some more socks. Like, you know, you're we're just boring. Yeah. Now. And this reminds <laughs> us that, like, Christmas when we were a kid was literally about toys. It's not about giving. It's not about nothing. He learns nothing in this movie. He lies. He gets away with it. Like Christmas, he doesn't, they don't do anything to like help anybody. Like nothing is Christmassy except the fact that consumerism, I guess that is the Christmas spirit. Yeah. That is the Christmas spirit. Most of the time is consumerism. I don't know, but I've tried to be helpful this Christmas and I usually try to make my, the gifts, I always make them pretty lighthearted. I don't like to buy just crap. I usually like to buy things for people that they'll absolutely necessarily need. Just that's like a gift-giving thing. But, like, as a kid, you would go to those little stores that they had at school, right? Those little Santa shops. Oh, yeah. They, and you would buy, like, all that really stupid crap that your parents were like, oh, come on, whatever. Thanks. But as an adult, I have adult money now. So, like, well, I don't really have any money because I'm like, unemployed. Cause I was like, we got money? But, yeah. <laughs> But, like, any time before this actual season, <laughs> yeah. like last year, I had I had adult money and I could buy, like, adult-style Christmas presents. And you're like, oh, shit, it's so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, yeah, I would give it a, I'd give it a solid 95. Okay, all right. It's not my favorite Christmas movie out there. We know who, what my favorite Christmas movie out there is, Elf. Well, technically it's Gremlins. But a lot of people are always really weird about Gremlins being my favorite Christmas movie because it's a kind of a sci-fi 
thriller. Dude, it's a horror. Debbie Downer. She talks about how her dad is stuck in a fucking chimney on Christmas and dies. It's weird. I love the movie. I do. We did it last Christmas. It yes. was fun. And I had never thought of it as a Christmas movie because personally, I like part two more. You know, me and my sequels. So yeah. I didn't That's actually that one of the sequels that is better than the first. I think it's totally better than the first one. That's just me. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Well, that is the stats. There's sure. that was the stats, stats, stats. <laughs> I did the stats. I gave you budgets. That's the stats, stats, the stats, stats. Give me stats, stats, stats. Rotten tomatoes. Theory came out. Those are stats, stats, stats. Stats, stats. <laughs> so, do we want to talk a little bit about the fact that this movie was a book before it was actually? That is exactly what I was about to say, girl. Go ahead and girl, can you like can just let me feel know. you? I can feel I you. I can too. feel you every single time we're about to. I can just I can just feel you. So yeah, this is really amazing. So the writer of this book is Gene Shepard. The book itself is actually called "In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash." Uh, it's the two-part story. Um, it's this one, a Christmas story, and then it's a summer story, which is actually the second film in the series. And they did make a movie actually out of it, which is wait, funny. Wait, wait, um, wait! So the my summer story is it also in this book? Yeah, in God We Trust. Oh my God! I I need to get this book because I know a lot of people hate my summer uh, story but i love it and it adds more stories and depths of these this family and it adds on to like the bumpuses you actually get to meet the bumpuses y'all they cry yeah you get to meet them it's amazing you get to see and more the cast dogs. is spectacular cast is good obviously it's not the same people but mm-hmm. that is really so does it go up to the teenage because there is a christmas story too where he's like a teenager and he works at a so that is completely separate. That was not written by uh, Gene Shepard, I believe, right? Christmas Story 2 is... Oh, no, it is. I mean, he um, might have just wrote it, but he might have, like, I. it's not in that exact book. Does he have more no, books or just this book? Yeah, he has other books. Absolutely. Well, he has writings and, like, essays and novellas. Like, I don't know if full... I don't know if he has full length uh, books. But so he got this started all because he's an American humorist and he had started doing articles for Playboy with Hugh Hefner. So in the beginning of June 1964, he began adapting many of his stories and publications in Playboy magazine to radio, which is really cool. And like you can hear his voice. He has such a radio voice. And I mean, if anyone you might not know this, but Gene Shepard is actually the narrator of the film A Christmas Story. That's him. That's his voice. Yes. Yeah. And, and can I give you a fun fact? Oh, sure. We got a fucking cameo of him. Not only his voice, but we actually get to see his face. He is the guy who is standing in line to meet Santa Claus when Ralphie and Randy stand in line. And he's like, hey, kid. Hey, kid. Hey. Just where do you think you're going? Going up to see Santa. The line ends here. It begins there. Points to the back of the line. That is him. Uh, that's and, that guy. Yep. And that's his face. And the lady who plays his wife is actually his wife. So that is his like real wife. Like in the scene. The <laughs> wife in his scene is his wife in real life. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't. Uh, that's funny. I never noticed that that was his voice. Tra- like, Because you hear his voice the entire what hour before they get to that scene? You're like, oh, that's him. I never put that two two together. I never put that together either. It's wow, very that's strange. So crazy. Like, 
to like once you know and you listen you're like how did i go like my whole life and not realize that was him oh my god i don't know i, I yeah i can't believe it that's that cracks me up so all these stories that he was writing for the magazine they were all like uh primarily uh stories that were depicting his childhood in this little fictional town which is where it takes place here homeland indiana it's actually uh uh, Hammond, Indiana is where he grew up, but it's all this like little fictional character. So when he was doing this, this is apparently, this is like an old story that when he was working for Playboy, he would hang out with Hugh Hefner a lot and the author, Shel Silverstein. I think you might know him. Like uh, he wrote Lights in the Attic, The Giving Tree, A Light oh, in the Attic, Falling yeah, yeah, Up, yeah. Uh -huh, A Missing uh -huh. Piece. So I can't believe he hung out with Hugh Hefner. I fucking love it. Hugh Hefner must have been the coolest dude. Anyways, they're all chilling. And Shepard was always so reluctant because he'd never considered himself to be a writer. But Shel Silverstein consistently was encouraging Shepard to write down his radio stories. He's like, no, 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 you are a storyteller. You can definitely put this over into actual page. Like, please do it. And he was really hesitant. It actually didn't even happen until Silverstein recorded Shepard's stories on tape, like when they would just be hanging out and like chilling. He transcribed them and then put them together so that Shepard could do like a final edit of them and then develop them into the stories that we have. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? Shel Silverstein. Sometimes just, you just need that friend to push you to do something or help you. Yeah. Um, get, it, get it done. And that's exactly what happened. And without that, we wouldn't have this movie. Yep. It's true. And what's really, really cool is that uh, because he's such a hero in Hammond, Indiana, as like the writer of A Christmas Story, they actually have a bronze statue of him. <gasps> With well, not him. Sorry, sorry. It's a bronze statue of the the pole and the kid with his tongue to the pole. Oh, that's even better. Oh, yeah. I like that. He they have the famous flagpole scene in bronze in their town in his hometown, Gene Shepherd's hometown. It's so cool. That is so. I, that is super I'll, cool. Yeah, I'll send you photos. It's like amazing. Well, I can post them too. Post but, it. Uh, there's Please a, post it. Yeah, it was. I thought that was really. I was like, oh. Okay, I love it when people get really, like, really. That he's from my hometown. Like we love him. I know. Like I would too if anybody cool would come from my hometown. I mean, we have cool people, but not cool enough for a statue. No, not cool enough for a statue. But so there's a there's a quite a few differences between the story and the film. I'm not gonna go through all of them because there is a ton of them. But I do want to like share my favorite parts if that's like cool with you. Uh yes. Okay, cool. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm so excited. So, actually, fuck it. Oh, ooh. <laughs> I called him Fuckus, and his, his name was Farkas. Oh, I was so like, why are you, you can cuss. I don't know why you're censoring yourself, no, but that but was I, funny. I, I called him the wrong name. No, Scott Farkas, who yeah, is the bully, is. the guy with the yellow eyes. Yes. <laughs> but he actually isn't even in the book at all. The real bully in the book is Grover Dill, which is the little troll that they mention. Grover Dill! Farkas' crummy little toady. Mean, rotten, his lips curled over his green teeth. And he, like, follows around Scott everywhere. Like, that's that the actual bully. He's punched in the arm. He's like, ow! Ow! Oh, yeah. 
Okay. I know. So that was, a, I thought it was really, really cool. So that, Scott Farkas almost didn't even exist. And I can't even imagine this movie not with Scott Farkas. Because one, that name is legendary. I mean. Legendary. It sounds like a kid that is going to kick your ass and you want yeah. to kick his ass. Exactly. <laughs> He's like the bad boy. Uh, <laughs> I also really super love, this is pretty iconic. And if they hadn't done this, I mean, I would have been so upset. So in the book itself, so in the movie, it's classically known that Ralphie gets the big pink bunny suit from his aunt. She always <laughs> sends him like frilly, weird things, whatever. But actually in the book, they're not even, it's not even a pink onesie. It's little uh, idiotic cross-eyed loft-eared bunny slippers. And that's it. That's what Aunt Clara sends. Immediately, my feet began to sweat as those two fluffy little bunnies with the blue button eyes stared sappily up at me. What? Yeah. Which, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. That's it. I mean, that's not embarrassing yeah. enough. Plus, that that's sounds not... comfy as fuck. I need some warm, uh, pink, floppy-eared uh, house shoes. Exactly. Like, no one's going to see them. They're house shoes. Like, no one has to know about Unless these. you go outside to get the, the mail. I love it, though. Aunt Clara can make me a pink bunny suit. I would love to run around. It's so cute. I will find you one. Thank you, baby. And then last, this one's actually a super cool one. So in the book, for Christmas, Ralphie, not only does he get the BB gun notoriously, but he also gets a rubber Frankenstein mask and then um, a Sandy Andy gravel toy loader, whatever. It looks like one of those little trucks. Mm. But what I really think is super cool is that they don't really make a big deal about it, but in the movie, you can see the Frankenstein rubber mask and that laying is, right there next to Randy. And that's so funny because this time I noticed it, and you know something that I've never noticed because when he's laying there and he's like holding his like toy and he's surrounded by all the that paper, Zeppelin, yeah. he's uh, surrounded by all the wrapping paper, and the dad's like, "Randy, get up and clean! Like, get up!" It's sitting right behind his head. And I was like, is that Frankenstein? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, glad that they that's... add that little touch. That's awesome. I think it's really cool. I think it's one of those little things. That's, if you had read the story, you would see that immediately and be like, oh, my God, he did get that. Like, and he makes a he doesn't make a big deal about it. But like, it's something that he had to mention. Like, that was really important to him as well. So those are a couple of the really cool little not in the movie, but in the book, such commercials. Oh, I like it a lot. Yeah. And the book did really, really well. It sold really, really well. And obviously took 10 years to make this movie because it was such a beautiful story. They wanted to, Bob Clark really wanted to take the time and the energy into making this book to movie reality. So it, it, the book mean, meant a lot to people back then. And uh, you can definitely tell, like, I mean, Gosh, it's it's whole it's held the test of time. Like it's this is this was made back in 1964. This book was written. This story was written back in 1964, but it still holds up. Like people are still relatable to it. Well, I want to read the book first before I say how relatable this is because this okay. movie did a good job of you know capturing that. But you know, mm-hmm. books are always better. <laughs> She's blowing bubbles, you guys. I couldn't help myself. I saw them and I'm like, I want to pop some bubbles. All right. So are you ready for AKA? (gasps) Yeah, let's do AKAs. Oh my God. Yes. AKA also known as means that we translate this title of movie across the world in different countries have different titles 
for this mm-hmm. movie. Now, this one does not have as many different titles as previous AKAs. This one, uh-huh. for the most part, I guess a Christmas story translate. It'll be either a Christmas story or Christmas story is usually the translation in other countries. But I did find mm-hmm. two, so I will give you those. So okay. grab your eggless, legless eggnog and travel <laughs> with me to Brazil. Ooh, Brazil. Yes, please. So if we go to Brazil and we want to see this movie, we'd say The Christmas Tale. The Christmas Tale. It works. It does. That totally works. Tale is a tale is a story, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that works. Uh, So if we hopped on a plane and went to Poland, it would be Christmas Gift, which I probably like the best. Christmas gift. That's all that is. This whole movie is only about literally getting a Christmas gift. Like it's true. It broke it down. So that's that's a little bit. I like it. AKA for your ass. I like that. A Christmas gift. Mm It is the season to be giving. Tis the season to be giving. It's not. Ra 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 ra! It's la 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 la. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, that scene! That scene! I love that scene. Can we just like before we move on? Can we just like talk about that scene? There's so yeah, much that course. happens in that whole scene. I know, because it was just—it's so honest and true, and it's really cute that they had to spend because it's so iconic and classic that you go to a Chinese restaurant on Christmas because you know it's always open. That's where Jewish people go for Christmas because nothing's open. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, when I was living in New York, we always would have Chinese for Christmas. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, that I makes know. sense. It was so much fun. One of my favorite things I, I know about that scene, though, is is that the fact that they uh, they know that it's... they they The actors were not aware that they were going to do any of that. The director, Bob Clark, was just, he, they didn't give him any clues as to what was going to happen. They just said, here's a dinner scene, here are your lines. And they didn't know that there was going to be caroling like that. Nope. And so their reactions, their laughter, they're like, that's all real. Like, that's all them personally responding to it because they're like, whoa, this is like hilarious. I mean, yes, that is also a controversial uh, scene nowadays in 2020 yes. of us cancel culture uh bob clark talked to the chinese actors and asked them if this was funny or offensive Mm -hmm. and they thought it was hilarious and so much so that if you see the manager the one that's kind of directing the guys in the group and telling them how to sing he -hmm. cannot stop from laughing he's like trying to cover his mouth just pay attention to him you can see he's just having a ball and he just thinks this is fucking hilarious because yeah. it really is. Also, yeah. they didn't tell her that the duck was going to have its head on it and that they were going to cut it off. So her <laughs> reaction to that is also real. <laughs> I just love that scene. It's like the oh last scene in the movie, you know, yeah, it and is. it leaves you just like, that was a good Christmas. That's a Christmas you guys will definitely talk about forever. Yeah. It's a memorable one. Yeah. I think it's sweet. So, um... Do we want to jump into our director? Mr. Bob Clark? Let's hit Bob. So, Bob yeah. Clark... Mr. Bob Clark. Director. I'm obsessed with the fact that how he even came to be on this actual story is so effing cute. 
So he was driving in his car, going on a, going to pick up a girl for a date, right? And he hears Gene Shepard telling his stories over the radio, like, and he's here and he's here and listen to it. And during that time, Gene Shepard is like transcribing them with Shel Silverstein, but he does obviously Bob Clark doesn't know that. And he's hearing the story, and he's like, "I love this story. I can't stop listening to it." So he shows up late to his date because he is just looping around her neighborhood, driving around all the blocks. <laughs> listening to this radio story yeah he couldn't stop he loved it so much that is like so fucked up i like semi (laughs) hope that they got married so that you know she could see that him being late to their first date was like worth it but i also kind of wish that like you know she's just like what the fuck you were 45 (laughs) minutes late i'm sitting here my parents think i made you up like oh no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know his personal life. I don't know if it ended up working out for him and his lady luck, but that's how he's that's how he first got introduced to the story of a Christmas story. And he, from there, he was like hell bent on making this a movie. Like it was going to happen for him. I could see that. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yesterday, I had found out about you know certain real figures in history. That instantly made me want to learn more. And I was like, I need to like write a script about these these women because these women are just like amazing. So mm-hmm. I can understand. And you that. have to. Yeah, you have to tell the story. Like if it speaks to you and if it seems really important, like just tell the story. M- move it along. Bob Clark, you're going to know him for like obviously really big. He did Black Christmas, uh, Porky's. He's like he, Porky's was like the big thing for him. Actually, without Porky's, this movie wouldn't have gotten made. He did Murder by Decree, Rhymestone, which we talked about, Dolly Parton and uh, Sylvester Oh, my God. Like, I didn't even know this movie existed. It makes zero (laughs) sense to me. Uh, Oh, my God. So I am down. Yeah, we have to watch it. But, yeah, so he's he baby geniuses. I was about to say, are you about to just pass up? I know, baby <laughs> geniuses. For you to shout it out. <laughs> Both of them, huh? Yeah, I'm. I don't want to speak ill of him, but I feel like the quality of his work towards the end of his career was just like anything he could kind of get, because there wasn't anything like this movie or Porky's in his filmography. No. But you know, some people they just have a gift for certain things, and, you mm-hmm. know, and they're not everybody's fucking Steven Spielberg, okay? We can't all make E.T. and The Color Purple and Jurassic no. Park and Schindler's List. Like, we can't, okay? <laughs> we just can't. No, but that's that's what makes everyone a different artist. Like, that's why you had to have all these different levels of what art is and and what how people express themselves in different ways. And, you know, Spielberg is a... He, he's just... He's a powerhouse. That man just cranks out so many hits after hits. He just has an eye for it, and and he's got the money to gamble, and usually it pays off. It always pays off. I don't know if there's ever been a Spielberg that's been a dud, really. I know. Ready Player One? I, like, we gotta do that. Oh, I, I love that movie. Lena oh. Waithe. Oh, my God. I know it's your, uh, my replacement. God. <gasps> your replacement? Yeah. I would never replace yeah, you. Yeah, well, yes, would, you would, with her. I would Oh my god, maybe. <laughs> I know you would. I know you would. It's okay. Anyway, sorry. So we gotta get back to Bob Clark. So So Porky's is like his movie that put him on the map. 
came out in 1981. It was like huge success. Huge success. No one expected it to do anything, and it did do something. And he always, like you said, since he heard this story on the radio, wanted to do this movie. But Mm -hmm. he couldn't really get anybody to do it. So when MGM came to him, they were like, hey, girls, we want you to push out a Porky's 2. Okay, it's called Porky's 2 the next day. And it came out in 1983. And he was like, look, I will give you another Porky's because that's what you want. But what Mm -hmm. you need to do is you need to give me money for this movie that I've Mm -hmm. been wanting to make for, you know, a couple decades now. And so they were finally like, yes, we will. But we're only giving you like $3 million or something like that. And Mm -hmm. he didn't say no he took that money he made their porkies and the money that he made off of porkies too he personally invested into this movie to get it made so that they could have the extra money for this movie and without him making porkies too without him getting the studio to sign off on it this movie would have never been made that's why they didn't give any advertisement to it and everything because they really didn't want to make it that's so sad. They, I can't believe they wouldn't know that this was a massive success. I don't know. Christmas movies can either go two ways to me. They either okay. go the way of like a Christmas story, an elf, and home alone, and it's a wonderful life, and Christmas vacation where we watch them every year, like no fail. Or you can go like all the other ones that are on lifetime and hallmark that are kind of cheesy with names that you know whoa don't you come for hallmark i'm just saying me personally i'm not a hallmark person but i do know that like vivica a fox is on like a shit ton of their fucking holiday movies (laughs) you know and without that we wouldn't get a diva's christmas carol which is going to be on next year's it's it's going to be a next year one one. do you have anything else to talk about of uh your boy Mr. Bob Clank. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, I was going to mention that him and Billingsley remained really close after filming and further on uh, in his life. And Billingsley is quoted saying that he's a, he was a huge mentor in his life. That's super cool. I know. It's really cool. Especially because he was such a young kid. He's such a young actor. I mean, uh, we'll get into more specifics when we start talking about uh, Billingsley, of course. But to to have a young kid and be the director. I mean, we talked about this a couple of times already, especially when we're talking about Home Alone. Like, it's, it's so important for a kid to act professional and be professional. And that was everything. Like, that's how Billingsley was. Like, he was a very professional little kid actor. He is like a Macaulay Culkin. He's like an adult. I, mm-hmm. I watched an interview with him doing promo for this movie, and he was such a little 40-year-old man. I was like, look at this kid, just answering questions like nothing. Yeah. But he had been famous for some time. I wouldn't say famous, but he had been working for some time. He was on a TV show. He had done some commercials and some movies. and so Yeah, he was Messy Marvin in the Hershey's chocolate mm-hmm. commercial. I was watching those. He's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching them on YouTube. <laughs> you are so cute. I, I love these kind of, I love those like stupid little things. You guys, the things that we get into and in doing research for these movies are just so funny. It's so just funny fun. to me. Sometimes I look around and I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did I get into this? I thought I was looking at this one thing. He turned into someone that we didn't think that was going to be 
Um, not only did he continue acting, but he continued writing and directing mm-hmm. and producing, producing movies like, I don't know, fucking Iron Man. Like, this guy is <laughs> making bucks. Like, he's not yeah. like, you can't be like, oh, poor Ralphie. He only had this one movie in the 80s. Nah, the bitch is no. totally fine. But he does speak extremely fondly about this time in his career and in his life. One thing that he says that was quite embarrassing for him was putting on that pink bunny suit that you want so bad. (laughs) That is so funny to me, really? Well, if you were a 12-year-old boy, which he was, he was 12 playing a nine-year-old. Okay. And yeah, he was just a little cutie. And he put it on and was like, oh my God, you're telling me I have to leave my like trailer and go out in front of the whole cast and crew. It was just too much for his little, his little body. And he, so those looks on his face of like pure disgust and embarrassment. That shit is real. That's all him. He ain't acting. He is definitely not happy, but I think that he understood because Bob Clark said that he was like, I didn't know any of that stuff. I thought he realized the joke and he was cool with it. He never said nothing to me or made me feel like he was uncomfortable. But then you asked yeah. Peter and he was like, oh my God, it was the worst, the most embarrassing thing ever. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, no way. Yeah. But you just think oh a 12 year old boy. I understand that. I am dead. I didn't realize. I mean, I would have been so thrilled to wear the pink bunny suit. And he <laughs> still has it till this day. So he did take it with him. It meant something to him. I love that. Yeah. He did it because he was like, I'll never be able to fit this again because by next Christmas I'll be two sizes too big. Like, (laughs) but I think he realized like it was going to be like a nice iconic part of this movie. I don't know if anybody thought it was going to be as big as it is. You know, you never know what you're dealing with. You you would you hope. I think a lot of people always have hope. Like this is going to be a great success. Success. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be huge. But like, no one really knows. I just wonder if he has kids that get to wear this pink bunny suit around because I would wear it everywhere. <laughs> like, no, you I would, can't wear it. He anywhere. would yell at me if anything. He would yell I would at me. let you wear it once. For a picture as you stand oh. on the stairs. No, I'm not going to let you ruin film history. While you getting chocolate milk on my bunny suit and getting dirt oh, on please. it and holes. No. I won't eat anything in the bunny suit. Lies. Lies. Okay. <laughs> so Peter Peter was the first to audition for the role of Ralphie. Out well, of that's easy. Well, you know, out of eight thousand, he was number one. Wait. <laughs> Wait, stop it. Are you kidding? I kid you there not. Was... Why did they can why did Bob Clark keep going through all the auditions? What is that? Well, he felt like Peter was good for the part, but he was already known for doing TV and stuff. Like he felt like he was too familiar and didn't want to have that. He mm. wanted to have like a nameless face at playing Ralphie. But oh, okay. after going through all 8,000 of the kids, he was like, all right, call Peter back because he's like the one. <laughs> I want oh my God, him. that's so funny. I appreciate Actually, that. Actually, I, I will say it a hundred times. I am always happy when I hear directors and casting directors throwing a huge net and making sure that they see, because just because you want Macaulay Culkin to be in your movie doesn't mean that he's the yeah. best person for this role. 
There could be a perfectly unknown name child who is that character and you can exactly. and you can, you know, change their life. So I'm always down for let's And Columbus did that too. He did, he did that as well. Mhm. He, he didn't did want to just that. settle on it. He wants to make sure that okay, this kid is what we need. And, and so, can I give you a little fun fact yeah. about I so I didn't realize that uh, Peter had actually been the first one to ever audition, but he's not the only person of notable name that also auditioned for the role of Ralphie. Ooh. Um my boy Sean Austin did. You might know him from I don't know Goonies as little Mikey or like Stranger Things. I know you know him from Stranger Things. You talk about I the know- fat hobbit. <laughs> Samwise. It's Samwise. He's like about Rudy. I love him. Yes, I do know him. Rudy. Rudy. You How old was he? Oh my God. He was around the same age, probably. Because he would uh, later, a year later, he went to do the Goonies. Oh, Goonies. So, yeah. Yeah, he could have did that. Okay. I could have seen that. I, I know. He would have been a really good one. Okay. Anyone else or just him? Uh, Will Wheaton. I don't know if you know. Um, he's the only other actor that I can recognize, like, for uh, the names. But he was in, like, uh, Toy Soldiers. He was Star Trek, The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Beverly, the doctor. His, yeah. He's the son. Okay, okay. Yeah, but those are the only two char- the only actors that I know of notable to go for the part of Ralphie. Well, Peter has another scene in this movie where he was not acting. So when Peter gets, you know, he's all upset and he's walking and someone throws a snowball at his face and he gets pissed and he fucking takes what's his face down. That snowball hitting him scene took numerous times. Either he was walking too slow or walking too fast or the person who's throwing the snowballs just missed, but they kept doing it over and over. So the take you see... Whoever threw it nails him in his fucking face nice and hard. So those little puffy red eyes and the tears, that's oh. real. He's really upset because he got hit in the face and it hurt. And he oh just he used it and just kept going. He takes his glasses off, throws his fucking gloves. He's like, it's on. It's like fucking Mighty Ducks in this bitch. <gasps> I know. <laughs> I'm about to he fight. into it. <laughs> Which, you know, when you're fed up and you're in the moment, you're doing it. Hey, that's how you and stop Ralphie a bully. You know who never fucked with him again? <laughs> Scut. Scut Fuckus. Farkus. Oh my God. I call it Scut Fuckus again. Scut Fuckus. No one. F- yeah, he didn't get fucked with by Scut Fuckus. <laughs> my super favorite thing. I have to link this. I'm so sorry. But what I super duper love is that Peter Billingsley makes a lot of cameos in uh, holiday films. Oh. Because he is like the little king of, holly, of, of holiday movies. King of so, Christmas. Yep, King of Christmas over here. So I super love it. We've already even talked about it a little bit. Elf is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. And he totally makes a cameo. I don't know if you can recognize him. He has the iconic blue eyes like staring He's up. He's wearing his glasses. Little, little glasses. And it's the moment where Buddy the Elf, which favorite color, is making the little uh, etch-a-sketches, and he's only made 85 of them, and he's, like, really behind on his quota, right? And he calls himself a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. You're not a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. And that is Peter Billingsley as the elf, he's and like, I love it. <laughs> and he so is in that. Hard. He's also in Four Christmases with yeah. his good buddy Vince Vaughn. 
Um, him mm-hmm. and Vince Vaughn and John Ferrero are all really good friends. That's kind of why he is a producer on Iron Man and mm-hmm. why one of his movies that he did direct, Peter did direct, is Couples Retreat with his good yes. friend Vince Vaughn. And oh so, yeah, he, he's in that nice circle of those dudes. And so he they, they keep each other working. I love it. Oh, I think he's also in The Breakup. Is he in The Breakup? He is, huh? Yes, he's also in The Breakup. Yeah, yeah he totally is. He's a producer for that one, too. And all three of them are in that one, so... And that one as well. Yeah. I think they even all the way go back to, like, Swingers. I, I bet, yeah. I bet they do. Yeah. Well, because John apparently got Billingsley to sign a Red Rider BB gun for him when they worked <gasps> together on the set. Yeah. Like that's that started that like solidified their friendship forever. John was like, "Can I get an autographed BB gun?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." Oh my god! <laughs> I, I know. know. And, and like, Lenny's like, "Can I get an autographed pink bunny suit?" Pink bunny suit. <laughs> Can you give it to my child on their fifth birthday, please? <laughs> Never. <laughs> it's totally for you. Okay. Anything that's else? all I have on Peter's Billingsley. Oh, thank you. Okay. You cotton heady ninny muggins. <laughs> So, can I talk about, like, the real star in this movie? (gasps) Yeah. Who's the real star in this movie? Well, the house is at 3159 (laughs) (laughs) West 11th Street, (laughs) Cleveland, Ohio. I only do it when it's, like, an iconic house, though. This one's an iconic house. This is an iconic house. (laughs) Not every house. Not every house is the star of a movie, but this one definitely is. So you can go ahead and visit this house at 1359 West 11th Street, Cleveland, Ohio. And this house is still standing. It still looks like it does in the movie. And you can go and take a tour of this beautiful house that also was shot exterior and some of the interior was shot in in this house. Um, Not the whole movie. Some of it was shot there and some was shot in Mm -hmm. Toronto. Hollywood. Oh, it's in Toronto. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In Toronto. It has studios in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And so this house, you could go through. A Christmas tree is set up with all of the, you know, the bowling ball and all the gifts underneath and the kitchen is set up the same and there's a turkey on the table and you know Uh you can take a nice tour the backyard is where they actually filmed and so you can the little shed is still there all of this like i took like a deep ass dive and watched a bunch of videos so like people taking a tour of the place so if you're over there go ahead i think the tour is like 15 20 bucks like nothing and across the street Uh is like seriously a really cool gift shop that you can buy the book you can Uh buy uh, the lamp the lamp you could buy your <gasps> pink bunny suit is there there's christmas ornaments there's blankets there's posters there's anything and everything uh, christmas story is sold across the street at the gift shop I now not only can you go and visit this house but you too can spend the night in the christmas story oh, house no way yes way no so way so for $995 per night, you two can sleep in the house. So the way that it's done, it looks like it's like the first floor with the, you know, the stairs and the, the Christmas tree and the kitchen. And that's like, you know, the, the museum. But then you can go up to like the second level and there's like a small mini like apartment up there that's like a two level like apartment that has like full stove and refrigerator and bathrooms and living room. And I think there's a bedroom up there. And so Mm -hmm. you can straight up, you know, spend the night in those. 
There's also a level that does, uh, you can, like me and you can rent it and we can sleep in Ralphie and Randy's room and they're like twin beds Stop and everything. It. Yes, it's it's like so cute. It's oh my God, so I want to go. We have to go. I know. Now, if you don't want to stay there, but you still want to stay very close by, you can also stay at the Bumpus's house. So the Bumpus's <laughs> house is also up for rent uh, to, oh to like Airbnb there. It looks like to me that it's split into two different units. So Stop. like one unit would be like $295 a night and another oh, one would bad. be $395 a night. Those are bunkus prices. I, I can get behind that. And the Bunkus house looks really nice. It's still yeah. super old. It is the same exact house that is in the movie. So, like, let's say that you and, like, me and you want to go and we end up inviting, like, our families and friends. Then we can, like, you know, rent the Christmas house. Me and you can sleep in Randy. Yeah, we're getting the Christmas in house. In Ralphie's house. You know, somebody could sleep upstairs. Then, you know, we can have other friends sleep in the Bumpus's house. And we can, like straight up to it now i love it for years and years and years they only raffled off actually being able to stay in the house once a year and now mm-hmm. it is like every day so i saw a video of somebody staying in it october 2020 so it is mm-hmm. still operating so that is the house you guys if you guys yeah. ever wanted to stay there or if you ever in Cle- cleveland ohio Figure out where, you know, 1359 West 11th Street is and go drive by the Christmas house. That is so cool. You guys, if right now, if you go on the website for the house, there is a live camera from across the street that shows the house. Um, The last time I looked at it, it was snowing and you could see people stopping in front of the house and still taking pictures like as of right now. So if you go on the website right now, you can live see what the house looks like at this very moment. Wait, what website? A Christmas Story House. That's oh all they've been in. Yeah. I'm obsessed. There's a live cam on there. It's pretty cool. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> it's right there, the live shot. Is it oh snowing? God, I'm watching it. No, but there's lights twinkling it's, all around it. You see the leg lamp in the window? Ooh, that's really creepy. Is there like a big bunny on the right? Oh, yeah, there's a big inflatable pink bunny. I think it's him dressed as a bunny it's in front of it. It's him dressed up as a yeah. bunny in front of it. I'm fucking dead. That is so funny. Yeah, isn't that the cutest thing? So oh, anytime you want to see what the Christmas house looks like right now, go ahead and do it. Because you can. Are there people oh, stopping really in front cool. of it? <laughs> no, no one's out there right now. I mean, it is 12:17 in the morning. So I guess people are kind of. I don't know. Drunk me would have been like, come on, girl. Let's go drive by the Christmas house. I'm sure somebody's mm-hmm. staying in it right now. That's probably, yeah, there's probably someone staying. Pe- I mean, the lights are on. It looks like downstairs. And people try to, and people stay on there for Christmas. That's so funny. How cool is that? That is so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Girl, I love this. I love you. <laughs> I love Christmas. <laughs> I wasn't a big Christmas believer, but like uh, the past all these years i've just come around to just loving christmas hey you do you and i'm glad that i can bring some holiday cheer and you can stock this house and see who's fragile it's italian fragile it must be italian i think it says fragile i think that says fragile i just want to personally say that i have said fragile anytime that i've seen fragile my entire life <laughs> I'm, I'm in love i'm in love Okay, so who do you want to move on to? Or do you want another fun fact? 
Let's do another fun fact. I love these fun facts. They're, I'm killing it on the fun facts. Okay. Give me more fun facts. Okay. So, like any of the Christmas movies that we pretty much talked about this entire month, mm-hmm. the year of 1983 in Cleveland, Ohio, was unusually warm. Oh, my God. Of course. <laughs> of course it was. So, that being meaning that there was no snow. And the snow that we see in this movie is soap detergent, like laundry detergent, the oh, the uh, yeah. grainy kind of soap. Uh huh. It's that. Um, they oh. also use potato flakes, just like oh, uh, they did in Home Alone, no. which is something that I feel like you can't use for too long because it's just mm. going to turn into like gross compost. Brown, gross, brown, gross, stinky no. potato flakes. They also yeah. rented. Big snow blowers, uh, like they use on skiing resorts and stuff like that, to mm-hmm. uh, shred the ice flakes and blow it so that it like blankets over and looks like snow. Oh. Which you know they do sometimes when, especially here in California, when we get like hot winters, which is I feel like almost every other winter, they will just manufacture snow so that we can continue to snowboard and to go sledding and shit. So. When you see, you know, shots from the inside looking outside and it's snowing, just know that there's somebody on the roof shaking soap detergent so that it looks like it's snowing. (laughs) That is so funny. Soap detergent. Oh, my God. Those kids must have been slipping all over the place. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I would think it's like the detergent that you would put in your, you know, the laundry, which is just like the... I don't know, with like, like salt crystal kind, powder crystal stuff, powder yeah. stuff. I bet that, like, it would mess up my sinuses, definitely. I'd be like... <sighs> oh, my God. I would have... Oh, my God. They, like, face... Poor Randy. Randy's, like, half the time I know. He's, stuff. like, rolling around in this <laughs> fake-ass shit. Poor Randy. Poor Randy. Dang. Randy. I didn't even think about oh that. I really love this. We were talking about how Peter Billingsley was very professional and... Like, kind of acted older than his age, basically. So, you know the scene when he is the cowboy. That imaginary, his fantasy. He's walking around. He's going to protect his family. You mean that's not he, real? No. The, oh, my <laughs> God. That's totally real. Um, no. What's real, real, though, is that he is in the in the shot. He's, he's chewing on tobacco. Like, that's what he's supposed to be imitating. Mm-hmm. And usually they'll do a substitute of some kind. No, no, no. Not the prop master on this film set. They gave him the real deal. What? Most act- Yeah, most actors will chew on black licorice, so it looks like, you know, when they spit it out, it's dark, whatever. No. The prop master actually gave him real legitimate stuff. And Billingsley is quoted saying that he got really super dizzy, had started sweating, and his lips were, like, numb and burning. How the hell could you do this to... Who signed off on doing this on a baby? He is, like, know. 12 years old. He is 12 I years know. old. I don't even want him around people smoking cigarettes, let alone have him doing chew. Now, I'd He's rather, as a parent, I'd be like, look, you need to have him chew on coffee grounds over this in, like, any way. There's no way I would have had him do this. He would have to mm-hmm. do coffee grounds or black licorice or, I don't give a fuck, Anything. black food coloring for all I give a shit. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> be the first time that they fake this kind of thing, but 
I don't know why. The prop master was weird as shit. I don't know. Thought he was like old enough. I'm gonna, I, think, I am going to talk to Smashly and I'm going to ask like, who the fuck was the prop master on this? And who do I need to yell at for making a baby like chew? That is the yeah. worst. That's disgusting. They don't even use real cigarettes in movies and they're going to have this kid use real chew. Even if you yeah. smoke cigarettes, they won't allow you to smoke real cigarettes on set. Oh my God. Maybe because it was Cleveland. California ain't about that shit. No. This is also the 80s as well. So Fucking a lot 80s. Of weird shit was, a lot of weird shit went down in the 80s. Dang. It went down in the 80s. Well, we were, we, we were born at the tail end of it. God. We, I don't know if we would have survived. <laughs> no, I would not have survived the 80s. I would not have. The Coke was so good back then. The Coke was so good back then. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> I don't know. Party down. Oh, Constance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They love <laughs> oh my god um so yeah why don't we move into our parents because they're the cutest let's do this quick because we're coming up on two hours okay yeah i'll run through this so um i love the mom i decided to do it on uh i wanted to do a little research on melinda dylan because she is so incredible you'll know her she's also the mom in harry and the hendersons uh yep. close encounters yep which we're going to have to do that one for sure. Like, have to do it. She's also in, we've also done this film before, and she made a cameo. Uh, to Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. Yes, she, she is. She is Myrna. Yeah, she's like super cute. She's yes. really uh, a very well-balanced actress. She not only did film, but she also did theater. Um, she played the role of Honey in the original broadcast of uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh in 1962. God. She was nominated uh, for a Tony Award in 63 for that character and that performance, uh, Best Supporting uh, in a Dramatic. Cool. And then, um, she's, I mean, she, she's a performer. She's a stage performer. She's a film performer. She was in Chicago's legendary Second City, uh, impro- improvisational comedy troupe. Ooh, um, so she's been yeah. working with the best. Yeah, she has. She's very well trained. Um, I love her. I am obsessed with this character that she plays in this film. Um, she's like low key housewife. Just completely oblivious, but like knows how to play the game really well. And I, I, I talked about this scene, the one where they're trying to get Randy to eat because Randy won't eat. She like makes him imitate a pig. How does a little piggy down. eat? You're a good boy. Show mommy how the piggies eat. And she's like diabolical. Like she's laughing hysterically. Like, oh, like it's almost scary. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. You, that's how you right? see it? Just like, just a little bit. You're just like, oh my God, this like woman is watching and like getting her child to eat the only way she knows how. And that's by asking him to eat like a pig. Okay. As being a very good auntie, I mm-hmm. find that I have to do a lot of things for, you know, my nieces to get them to do things. And you kind of like, you know, lie yeah. and play games and make it seem funner than it is. And I feel like that's what yes. she's doing. She's stuck yeah, with the kid. Yeah, but this is extreme. She's stuck with the kid who doesn't eat. Now, I was the kid in my family who was the last one at the table. And my mom mm-hmm. would have to be like, plug your nose and put those veggies in your mouth and put those beans in your mouth and just like, you know, yeah. continue on. Like, I'm not letting you get up. Yeah. But she found ways. She found what I love and she would just bribe me with it like, you know, any other mom. Look, if you yeah. could eat dinner 
every day this week without me having to like come over here and like spoon feed you, I will buy you Lion King. Like that's what my mom said. <gasps> I will buy you Lion King. But if you don't seven. do it for seven days, you ain't getting shit. And so like those seven days, I ate all, everything off of my fucking plate. I didn't care. I did what they had to do. I got my Lion ah. King and then I went right back to like not eating again. Um, that's <laughs> fucking lucky, dude, because that did not happen in this house. And if we didn't eat, we didn't eat. Like, there's no joke about that. My mom's not about to make you fresh new food. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not getting fresh new food. You're you're sitting at the table kind of like Mommy Dear is. We weren't getting bribed, though. Yeah, like, I I couldn't get a bribe out of my mom. But, um, yeah, I hope to see her in more. She's she's still pretty young, 81. The most recent thing that she's did. I mean, she hasn't been in anything since, like, 2007. Maybe she'll come around, but she might be retired at this point. I can see that. Yeah. But she does great. I love her. She's a good mom. I think this. I think her and, yeah, I think her and her co-star, as parents, they do really, really well together. Yes. Yes, they do. I think they really, like, they, they have this rapport. Darren McGavin, he, like, gives a lot and takes a lot from her, and you can just see that they're very playful together. It's really cute. Like, that, that final scene at the very end when they're just, like, Holding each other. And looking at the Christmas tree. Looking at the Christmas tree. That, that is a good one. It's oh, so cute. Oh my god, wait. I think I forgot a fun fact and I want to throw it in. It's not about her. It's about Bob Clark. Okay. We okay. we get to see Bob Clark in this movie. Did I tell you this? Oh my god, he makes a cameo. He makes a cameo in this movie. So uh. when, when the old man finally gets his prize... Oh, my God. Puts it up in the window, and he goes out in front of the house so he can see what the people are seeing from outside the street. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the neighbor, comes up to him and is like, Yeah, but what is that? It's a major award. A major award? Shucks, I wouldn't know, Dad. It looks like a lamp. What's that in your window? And he's like, oh, it's a prize. And he's like, oh. If he won that, it's a major award. <laughs> that is our <laughs> director. He is. Stop it. Yeah, and that's him. That's Bob Clark. That's Bob Clark. If you want to know what Mr. Porky looked like, that's him. <laughs> that is a really good one. He is very prestigious award. A prestigious award. That's what it is, yep. <laughs> yeah. That is so cute. You know, I love, I love my cameos. He, he makes one. You do love your cameos. I love when I get to hear your cameos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we already talked a little bit about Darren McGavin. We spoke about him we recently, Billy Madison. We sure did. That is yeah, Billy so... Madison's dad. Mm-hmm. Billy Madison's dad, just there in the 90s. But in the 80s, mm-hmm. he was Ralphie and Randy's dad. Yeah, he was. Unfortunately, Darren McGavin, gorgeous, gorgeous actor. Um, is no longer with us, which is really sad. But let's like briefly talk about his character. I love how he's, you know, the get a flat tire and he's like, time it! Oh, I and then, like runs out there and shit. Like he is like a good 1940s mm-hmm. dad, better than what I usually would think of for that time period of dad. Um, he might not be very emotional with his kids, but he is physically present. Yeah. He does listen to them and pay attention because otherwise he wouldn't know that he wanted this fucking exactly. BB gun. Exactly. Um, he's fun and carefree, like when he's like skipping with the Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz and shit. Like he, he is a really cool and good dad. Yeah. He's like, does 
did you tell Santa what you wanted? He goes, he knows, you know, he, <laughs> he always, always knows. knows. Like he, he's like the dad that just like keeps this, this, the keeps fun and the spirit yeah. up. And I, I appreciate him in this movie. He keeps it light. He's probably a really good dad, especially during that time. Like nineteen, war, it's World War Two is about to just like right before World yeah, War Two. Yeah, it's about to go into. Flight. Uh, the reason why I the people know that it's before World War Two is because in the very first scene, when you look at all the toys in the toy shop window, you'll notice that there is a radio flyer uh, in the window. Uh-huh. Radio flyers stop making radio flyers uh, around World War Two to help the efforts of the war. So they weren't made for some time during that mm-hmm. time because of that. So when you see it in the window, this means that it's pre, especially the design of it is pre. Wow, very uh, interesting. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't realize, but now they make them. Yeah. I mean, there's they. when did they start coming back and making them again? Because we can get radio. Oh, well, they made them probably, I mean, definitely by the 50s, they were definitely Yeah, made, they're coming back um, again, yeah. Again. Yeah, and now I mean we still have them, but they're made out of plastic. Yeah. They're not made out of the, the metal. metal. So I remember hot summer days, and that metal would burn your skin. Yeah, these plastic is actually way better. They got like cup yeah, holders and seatbelts. Yeah, I love it. so I'm I'm okay. At first, I was like, "This is horrible." Keep with the times, man. But Keep with the times. I'm not mad at that. Nope, not at all. And again, like got somewhere to put my Starbucks while I pull these kids. <laughs> I love it, though. I love, again, like, I don't think the old man and Mrs. Parker, like, they are perfect, too. Like, the actors play so well together. They're both theater-based, so, like, it made their relationship so convincing. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And his his ultimate fight with the furnace, it's just, who wins that game? Yeah. Who is really winning that game? The furnace. The furnace. <laughs> Gets all the attention. All the attention. And if you watch my summer story there is continuous battle with that fucking yes. furnace it's not going anywhere Forever. so yeah he did a great job we'll definitely talk about yep. him again and we've already previously talked about him so if you want to hear some more information about him go ahead and listen to our billy madison episode yeah. but as of right now i would like to talk about another star yes in this tell movie. me so the lamp leg yes so the dad wins the lamp leg by playing a trivia game inside the new local mm-hmm. newspaper. So I did some deep diving, you guys, and I was like, well, why? Why does his prize a leg lamp? So the reason why his leg lamp is it's because it is a logo. It's not like anything, you know, sexual. Well, I guess I guess a little sexual, yeah, but it it's a, a logo sexual. of a... It's a logo of a company, and the company is called Knee-High Soda. So it's some sort of cola, oh. and their name is Knee-High, and their logo is like a lady's leg. Okay. And so on their billboards and on their bottle caps has women's legs on it. Even the bottle that it's made out of has stitching on it to make it look like it was like women's stockings on their bottle. Oh. And so they would have pictures of the legs all over the place. So at some point in Nehi's career, they started to dip in profit. So they would do things by throwing prizes into newspaper uh, 
games. So that's what this is. So in real life, they would do these things. People who would win the prizes would get sent a big leg lamp uh, for knee-high cola or soda. It. That's so cool. Yeah. And so eventually, knee-high turned into a company called Royal Crown Cola, mm-hmm. a.k.a. also known as RC Cola, <gasps> which is still sold today. Stop it. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was super cool that like RC Cola is still like, something that has been around. Yeah, it's still I didn't today. realize, yeah. So yeah, next time you drink an RC Cola, know that it's also associated with the knee high soda that is the dad's leg lamp. Now the leg lamp is something that you can definitely buy if you want it to. They range between I think like thirty dollars to about $200 and I am more on the $200 size because I want the actual size that was in the window of Ralphie's fucking house. But yeah, but if you wanted to, you can order those. You can go on the leglamps.com. The guy who started this website is also the man who bought the Christmas Story house. He bought it off of eBay. And yeah, he loves this movie so much that he started a business selling leg lamps and then eventually bought the the house. house for the movie and opened it up for tours and for sleeping in. So you could thank him if anything. He's a so. hero. He's a hero. He is a he is a hero to us. I oh, love it. So uh, good yeah, one. Your, that's a little bit of history on your leg yeah, lamp, girl. A little leg lamp fun fact going on. Super fun. Super fun. So let's move on. Let's move on to some of these. Yeah, these kids. let's talk about the kids for a couple minutes. Well. You all know my personal favorite, little baby Flick. He's so cute. He is. He is cute, and you feel super bad because his ass is left out there, high and dry in the fucking in the snow. They left him in the snow, they left girl. Him in the snow for sure. I mean, what's really cool is that like a lot of these, a lot of the kids actors in this have moved on to doing a lot more producing, a lot more directing, a lot more writing, but he kind of stayed pretty. I mean, current. Right? Scott Schwartz. We previously talked about a movie that he was in, Toy. Toy. The Toy. The Toy with Richard Pryor in it. And he he did some stuff as a kid. So the 80s, he was doing mm-hmm. good. By the 90s, I think it was kind of hard for him to find his footing in the entertainment mm-hmm. business. So he did something that in a lot of people's eyes is frowned upon. He started to do... Porn. <laughs> he really got stuck on the pole. Oh, can we- <laughs> oh! Did I just say that out loud? You um, did. He did porn. I. He does porn. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's he what he does. did. Porn like the comeback. Stop it. <laughs> no. Silver screen. Yeah. Confidential. New wave hookers. Five. <gasps> Cafe flesh two. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Dirty Bob's Excellent Adventures thirty six and thirty five. I kid you There's not. There's thirty five excellent adventures of Bob. Thirty six. Oh yeah. Dirty excellent adventures. Dirty excellent adventures. <laughs> There's thirty six videos of that. Cool. Yeah. Flashpoint X. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You can get me it for Christmas if you want you little, to. You want a little sexy flip porn? I do. I do not. That sounds gross. Okay, so Flick, a.k.a. Scott Swartz. 
is him. And so he kind of went on to that. The whole crew, for the most part, they still do meet and greets for A Christmas Story when it shows in different parts of the country. And, you know, they call them and, and make appearances. Now, the kids all together had a lot of fun. And they actually were pretty good friends. Or at least during mm-hmm. this time, they all got along really well. So, like, the kids had fun together by making like prank wake up calls. So they would call the front desk and be like, "Give me a wake up call for three a.m. on room four twenty two, and it's like somebody else's room in the cast. And so they would get like a three a.m. wake up call that was like pranked Aww. to them by one of the kids or they would order like three hundred dollars worth of pizza and send it to like one of the assistant directors room and now he has three hundred dollars worth of pizza they were just doing like fun things like that they'd run up and down the hall and knock on each other's doors and play with each other so they had like a ball together I, I, I always just appreciate whenever I hear that, to be honest. Like, whenever there's, like, a full kid cast, I feel like they always have to, like, find a way to bond. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just so cute, so neat. R.D. Rob is one of the other kids in this film. I'm just going to say a little couple of things about him because, dude, he needs to be recognized. So he's Schwartz. Poor Schwartz. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Schwartz. Poor Schwartz. He's another uh, of these guys who turned, he was, like, really big in acting and then made the switch over to like directing and producing um he does he's been in matilda uh the brady bunch movie he is in an episode of the goldbergs um, i love that show i know i love that show too most notably i have to be serious is that i went to a deep hole about this he is in the he is a director for a little film called Don's Plum. It's a 1995 film. If you haven't heard about it, I wouldn't be surprised because it was banned from being released. It went through heavy litigations and it was against Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. They did a cease and desist I've never on the heard film. Of this movie getting released it's called don's plum it's crazy it was i went into a very 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 deep hole about this it was originally called the saturday night club it was written by this uh this guy he had written this great short short script it was a short film that's what it was approached as but it's a completely improvised film so they were loosely given topics and ideas but there was no real like word for word script so that's why it doesn't shine leonardo dicaprio and toby Maguire in the best light Um, because they don't know how to write yeah and also they're they're actors yeah, and they were just being off the cuff. This is when they're, like, really into their, like, early, early 20s. So he, they're just getting their claim to fame. He was just about to go into doing Romeo and Juliet. And um, he was just, you know, 1990s was, like, experimental film. It was really deep and, and crazy, and people were trying to get that new edge, that new style, yeah. new story, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where they were going with this. It's really intriguing. I highly suggest you guys check, check it out. You can't buy it or own it in any way, uh, but it is streaming. I'm not going to say the streamer that's streaming it, but check it out. You'll know where to find it. What um, is it? I'll bleep it. It's <laughs> it is also where I saw the, the um, documentary um, series about this. And it goes in deep. Like you get depositions of Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire talking about this film. It's amazing. Oh. It's yeah. The, the pussy posse. I mean, that's when it was the height of their pussy posse days. Like they could get any girl they wanted and made bets and 
took down all that crap. Anyways. I don't know um, if I want to watch that because it's going to make me not like Leo. I know. It, it didn't shine them in the best light, but I did see it from both of their perspectives. I mean, it was, he was young. And when you're young and impressionable, I'm sure that they were drinking or doing drugs probably or something. And they gave them so much freedom, but it was promised to only be a short film. So I'm sure that he thought that they were going to be cutting out a lot of the crap that he was doing. Yeah. But then the producers tried to make it into a feature film. And that's when Leonardo DiCaprio, who was about to release Romeo and Juliet, he's like, I can't have this come out in my career. Like, this is not good timing. This isn't correct. This isn't what's supposed to happen. Um, Dale Wheatley, who's like one of the bigger producers and writers of this, like he, like to this day, I hold, I, I don't know if he holds a grudge, but it seemed like it. I don't know. It was pretty... It was pretty big betrayal. There was a lot of uh, friendships destroyed because of this stupid movie. But Damn. yeah, it was ri- it was uh, directed by R.D. Robb, who would later try to sue, to, I guess, to get the money back that he put into this film. Damn, Swartz. That sucks. Dude, yeah, Schwartz. Do you want to hear a fun fact? <gasps> Give me a fun fact. Fun fact. It's about Flick. I know we missed, we just talked about him, but here it is. I forgot to say it. No, go for it. So Flick gets his tongue stuck on the pole, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, there was no snow and it wasn't really that cold. So they had to fake this pole. So they took a pole, drilled a hole in it and put a tube that sucked air out of it and funneled it off camera. And so all they had to do was stick their tongue on the hole and it would suck it onto it. So it looked like it was sticking. All of the kids tried it because it sounded like the coolest thing to do. (laughs) Bunch of dirty tongue holes and little boys. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. But that's how it was. He did not really stick his tongue to a pole, but you can really stick your tongue to a pole if you try. So don't try. Yeah. The cold, for some reason, makes your saliva like a super glue. Why don't you just use hot water, though? I like, that would have been my first instinct. It's the 40s. They didn't have hot water. That's true. I guess not. They had hot water. I'm just. They don't even know the meaning of the word hot water. Of hot water. Mm. (laughs) Uh, One thing that Bob Clark did. To these kids was he did not let them see that infamous leg lamp until it was time stop is yeah. that why he gets all like feely feely up on the leg only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window that's exactly why ralphie's all horny for this leg oh my god it's because he it built up he wasn't allowed to see it none of the kids were allowed to see it until it was shoot so like him feeling the top of the the butt cheeks of the the leg it's so bad it's so he like really goes for it he's like he really's like yeah wow yeah <laughs> so the the kids were really excited they were also talking about who would get one but apparently nobody got a leg lamp wow nobody got a leg lamp out of that a little fun fact about that leg lamp is that they actually, the prop masters had built three of those lamps. Okay. And all three of them did actually get broken in the it, during the filming of this movie. All three of them. Dang. So it's not like Scrooge where they just made like four Picassos and they're like, meh, we're not going to destroy these. Yeah. Friend, you can have this one. Friend, you should have this one. No. Not my like qu- that at all. My question all three is, were broken. 
how do you feel about the mom breaking the leg? Was it accidental when she was dusting? I don't know what happened. I was watering my plant and I broke your lamp. Or was she really trying to take it down? I was just watering my plant and I'm sorry. <laughs> Get the glue. Get the glue. We're out of glue. You use up all the glue on purpose. You've always been oh jealous of my leg. You've always been jealous of the leg. Are you serious? Wait, what is that line that you love so much? Not a finger. Not a finger. Not a <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I watched it again. And when he's like, he says that he's just so upset. And he's like, and the dad, all he could mustard out was not a finger. Like, what is that? I not a finger. finger. Not a finger. I love it. I do definitely love that. Get the glue. We're all Get out. Glue. We're all out of glue. You, you used the glue, glue on, purpose. <laughs> on purpose, bitch. She just threw it away. Are you kidding? She didn't even actually use all of it. She's like, I know. She's like, that. I could spend another five cents on this later. I don't give a shit. Um, or, or she could have like sincerely like gotten all the things that she needed to finally get she done. She just glued, glued. She's everything. Like, I'm doing everything. I had to do my gluing for the I year. Did, yeah, I had to glue. <laughs> I had and to then, glue. Yeah, we're all out as he buries it on the side of the house See, and it plays and this, caps. That scene specifically. So, uh, fun fact. Uh, the, there was another actor that was up for the old man part, and he auditioned for it, and he is a wild, kooky character, Jack Nicholson. What? Yeah. Jack so Nicholson? He, yeah. Like, our our boy. The he Joker? Going, the Joker, dude. And I can see him doing that scene specifically, because it would be so diabolical. Like, he would have been so, like, like ah, out of this world about it. Like, I don't know how I feel with Jack Nicholson as the dad. It would have been a different type of character to see, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I feel like during that time in his career, he was definitely doing, like, weirdo characters and more complex characters. It would have been really interesting to see him in this uh, family-oriented role. I think Darren McGavin just killed it. And just, like, he is the old man. But it would have been interesting to see Jack Nicholson in it. I'm not against it. He's good. Um, that's kind of my last real fun fact. Okay, so I got a couple fun facts. Here we go. Okay. So all the exterior shots were shot at the house, uh-huh. um, along with some of the interior, but mainly the exterior of the house. Um, okay. And the interior of the house, like I said, was shot in Toronto. So like the scene where Ralphie has his... A rifle and he's imagining he's shooting the bad guys in the backyard yeah that's shot in two different spots so when it's in the backyard it's shot mm-hmm. in cleveland but when it shows ralphie from in the window it is shot in toronto so <laughs> stop it that's crazy yeah and they're shot you know a couple weeks apart too not even like back to back like they're shot separately entirely oh. yeah okay so, um, a person that we did not talk about would be Randy. Oh, little Randy. Little boy Randy. Randy. Super Aww. cute. I love him. His mom was on set a lot, and she was part of that piggy scene that we talk about. 
She. Oh my god, the piggy scene. The piggy scene. So what she did is stood right off of camera and made fart noises to help make him laugh. So that laugh is genuine, but he's laughing at his mom making fart noise. Stop it! No way. Yeah. I think that is like the cutest. I think that's that such is a good mom. You're he is like genuinely like cracking up during that scene. That scene is so crazy. Now there's a whole other layer of mom, like a whole uh, different mom manipulation. We didn't even see. <laughs> oh my god, that is hilarious. Yeah, so she just does some really cool, you know, fart noises off the just side to. Casual some fart noises. You know, she's got yeah. like a repertoire of the. She fart does. Noises. She's like, do you want it wet? Do you want it dry? This is my fart in church. This is my fart in the field. <laughs> so he. Uh, this is my fart in the grocery store. The grocery this is when store. I, this is when I fart in the stall in the bathroom. Not too loud, but I'm not going to be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. So A Christmas Story was Randy's second. Uh, what's his name? Ian's second movie. Ian Petrella. Yeah. He did episodes on Chips. Crime of Passion. He did an episode of Different Strokes and Who's the Boss. So he did a lot of stuff in the 80s. Highway to Heaven, My Sister Sam, Beverly Hills 90210. And then he kind of like peters out towards the 2000s and the last thing that he was in is 2015. So I don't really think that his focus or his career is at the level that we would think it would be, but he's probably focused on life and family like we all do. Because that is the most important thing, not work, I guess. Yeah. I heard um, he's more so, like, doing puppetry and animation now. Like, that's his main focus. Oh, I love it. I love a good puppet. Puppeteer. And he does, uh, he was the guide for that Christmas story house in Cleveland, Ohio. He's the guide? He did, well, he only did it on November 4th to January 2011. So he did it from November 4th, 2010 to January of 2011. Dang, we missed it. We could have went. I know. He was the tour guide. Had a tour guide from Randy. From Randy. I would have bundled you up so much that you couldn't put your arms down, girl. Like you were deep, like you were deep sea diving. What if that's how he does the tour guide? Is he's in his old pocket? (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. Um, Another thing about him is that Bob Clark. Didn't let him go down the slide when he went to go visit Santa Claus. Stop it. Yeah. So what happened was they rehearsed, you know, the whole scene of him being pulled up the stairs and sitting on Santa's lap. But they never pushed him down the slide. So they waited until cameras were rolling, which I think I feel like it's something you should do for kids so that you can get very genuine reactions. So when he slides down the slide and he's screaming and the face that he makes when he reaches the bottom, those are all real because he did not know what he was getting himself into when it came to the slide. That is so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. That poor kid. Scarred for life. Scarred. He never went on a slide again. (laughs) I don't know. I cannot deny or confirm that. Confirm or deny that he has been able to go on a slide. Okay. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it, but I'm not saying that he hasn't. Girl, so you know that weird kid in line that when Ralphie and Randy are in line for Santa Claus, and he's like, "I like the wizard of Oz." Yeah, I like the tune. 
Yeah, it's a little creep. He is, yeah, I like Christmas. He is not an actor. He was just really weird when they were filming. Stop it. This, this looks movie. like this was like there. Yeah. They couldn't close down the entire mall. So the section that they did could close down. You know, people walk up like, what the fuck's going on? And they love this weird ass kid so much. That they were like, be yourself on film. So when Put he's talking, in. so when he's talking to Ralphie and Ralphie is so uncomfortable, it's because Ralphie is really uncomfortable by this weird kid. Wow. I wonder, where, kid. I wonder where he is now. Where did you go? Where did you go? Okay, so one, I just want to point out one more thing that I appreciate Bob mm-hmm. Clark adding black people in the classrooms. I know that yes. in 1940 something, we would not be, we'd be segregated. But I appreciate you knowing that it was 1980s and that a black kid like myself was going to watch it one day. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was really fucking rad. Yeah, because I know history. I know how shit really went down. <laughs> so when I see, you know, something like that, it yeah. does stick out to me and it makes me super happy. Do you have anything else to add? No, that's it for me. Do you want to talk about your favorite line or your best and worst Christmas gift you got? My favorite line we already talked about. I said, it's Randy laid there like a slug and it was his only defense. That's honestly my favorite line. What's yours? Not a finger. (laughs) Not a finger. Um, that fragile I love that one. Fragile. Oh, fragile. It must be French. It must be from Italy. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, yeah, I love those. I love that. All right. What well, was your favorite Christmas present ever? My favorite Christmas present, I feel like we talked about this in our Home Alone, but it was my talk boy. I had a oh, talk, boy, talk pin, boy pin, and I thought it was the coolest. I begged for it, I asked for it, and I finally got it. And mm-hmm. I'd also say that when I was in college, I asked for a record player that played CDs and Bluetooth and aux cord. And I got it for Christmas when I was like 22, 23. And like, so it was like totally worth it and awesome. And I, and I, it's a gift I still have. It's right there. <laughs> oh, I love that. The worst is usually some books or something. I always get books, something educational as a kid sucked. The best Christmas present that I ever got was probably a Han Solo blaster. Star Wars. Ooh. Old. It used to make all the noise. It doesn't anymore, but it used to make all the noises. The pew, pew, pew. Oh, um, I see you, but you're good. Yeah, I, I've, I've had it with me all over. Also, my most memorable and favorite was when I was a little girl, I was obsessed with 101 Dalmatians. And so for Christmas, I really went from the Disney store, all of the Dalmatians, you know, Patch, Penny, Rolly, and Lucky. I had a Penny one. It's around here somewhere, I'm sure. I've always, I always wanted them, right? So it was so cute. I remember Christmas morning, my sister, Vanessa, comes over and she has the little patch one and I unwrap it. And then all of, like, the rest of my family had all gotten me one too. And then I had the whole set. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. That's so cute. I know. And actually, I still have them. I'm in my childhood home right now um, in my bedroom and the little Dalmatians were on my bed when I came home. I was like, really? Oh, that's so cute. Penny and Rolly and Lucky patches in storage right now because he was the one I always kept with me no matter what. That's so cute. Oh my goodness. And the worst present is the present that never came. And that was, I always asked Santa for a puppy and I never got a puppy. She ever. Still, she's still asking for that one. I'm still asking Santa for a puppy and Santa will still never bring me a puppy. I don't know if he made some kind of like weird deal with my father um, because my father doesn't want a puppy in this house. I don't know if my dad paid off Santa. He might have. He um, said she can't have one ever. That's it. So are you ready? It. Are you ready? Wait. 
Wait, I'm ready. Okay, so it's time for Z for the people. Uh, so, Z for the people. In 1947, Diana Hendricks built some dolls that she made from hand and what? wanted to give these dolls to children who didn't have toys. And so she asked her husband, who was a reserve major for the Marines, where she could donate these toys. And he started to do some investigation and found out that there was no way for her to donate these toys. So they, as a couple, decided that they were going to start their own foundation for children and toys called Toys for Tots. And ah! I know, it goes back to 1947. So... The f- within the first year of Toys for Tots, they raised 5,000 toys, which is, like, unbelievable, especially for, like, the first year of it ever being done. Now they're on, like, millions of fucking toys. But, um, <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah. So because of the need for the chance to give back to the community, to get back for children, Toys for Tots have started that. They've had tons and tons of people sponsor them. And I have a friend who has a birthday in December. And anytime that we've had birthday parties since, you know, high school till now, if you go to his birthday parties, what's up, Daniel Schultz? <laughs> he would make us come and bring a toy, unwrapped toy for Toys for Tots. And he would do oh it. The God, toy. So it. every That's year beautiful. we would come in super drunk with, you know, Tonka toys and bar. Barbies and shit like that and you know throw them in this bag so they the next day he could donate them and that was like our ticket into the to toys for tots now more than ever children definitely need this because children whose parents usually have enough money to buy them pretty much any gift that they wanted don't because all of us don't work for the most part and our government doesn't want to assist us in helping so if you are able to help in any sense of the way i would say to send money or send a toy there's a bunch of toys for tots places drops off they're usually at fire stations and police stations so if you go into there with a unwrapped toy please don't make it a Mm -hmm. gun toy for going to the police station yeah (laughs) um but you can go ahead and drop those off there and they will donate them to the Toy for Tots. But if you want to do something, donate your time or donate your money, go to toysfortots.org. Uh-huh. And that's my Z for the people. Uh, yes, uh, I love that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Sweet baby Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots. So uh, we did it, girl. We did it. I can't believe we did this. I know. <laughs> Thank you for drinking it's with me. It's 2020. I know. 2020. Merry Christmas in two Christmas. days for us. And um, we will be back. We're going to take a week off, you know, for New Year's and to yeah. rejuvenate. You guys need some time to spend with your family or to Zoom with your family anyway. So we're going to take a little time for ourselves as well. And we will be back by next year. We're going to have a free month. So I'm not quite sure what movie we're going to definitely pick. Uh, But me and Lenny have been talking about it. So we will see. Um, So we're not going to leave you here with the movie. Just give us some time to think about one. If you have any suggestions, you guys, we've already been talking to a lot of people. um, Because... You know, people inquire, you know, what are the next movies going to be next month? Mm-hmm. So if you have any suggestions, please shout it out. Give us a, a little direct message on our Instagram or you can email us at a lights, camera, cocktail. No S. 
Get the S out of here. <laughs> At gmail.com. <laughs> and you can totally let us know if you, there's any movies that you want to hear us talk about or any movies you want to suggest that we should be watching. Because I love that. That's my favorite. Me too. Yeah. But thank you so much for listening to us, you guys. Happy happy Christmas. Uh, end of 2020. We made it. We're going to be okay. <sighs> we'll see. This, but can you tell well, everybody where to find us, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're listening to us now, so I appreciate you checking us out on, like, Spotify, Podbean, Bean Pod. Uh, you can hear us on any place that you listen to your podcast. Just go ahead and check it out, and you can find us for sure. Check out our Instagram. Look mm-hmm. at our Twitter yeah, just go ahead and, and reach out to us on social media and we'll be able to actually connect as a community. And uh, we love to post really fun stuff. Yeah. We're always all over Instagram having a great time. Yeah. Uh, so hit us up. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yes, Lenny, thank you for drinking with me. Thank you for talking with me. Thanks for drinking and talking with me. Yeah. I've had so much fun. Talking about movies and watching movies and drinking with you is kind of my favorite thing. Eating Nacho Mountain is another. Somehow it's we have whole, to start. <laughs> a whole nother thing. I don't want to make a mountain by myself because I'll eat it by myself. So I know. I will too. <laughs> don't worry. We'll do pre-Nacho Mountains before the show once we're together again. Oh, I can't wait. So, Hi. yes. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Goodbye, you piece of shit 2020 and hello 2021. Please be better. Please be any bit better than this year. Yes. And uh, we will be back in 2021 with another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. It's a crummy commercial. <laughs> <laughs>